Hey guys, thanks for taking the drive down State Street. In this episode, we welcome elementary school teacher and high school soccer coach, Leah Passini. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to State Street. Hey guys, this is the co-host, the voice, Nick Kleitch, and with me as always are my good buds, Jeremy Machino and Cole Szynski. Gentlemen, how are we? Nick, it's been great. We're uh, we're just about wrapping up our episode for the week. I think we've had a great week of podcasting. It's been beautiful up in Minnesota. I, I literally have nothing I can complain about right now. Yeah, dude, it's been a productive week of podcasting. I think we've put out two really good episodes this week. Full of content, full of really good lessons, full of, of resources and tools that, that hopefully people are going to listen to and people are going to use and, and put into action to enrich their lives and, um, and grow, frankly, as, as they're going to hear about a little bit today, even with Leah. No doubt. She, uh, she put a good insight into something that we're not all too familiar with. I'm going to save that for the remaining part of the interview here, but um, I believe if we're not mistaken, we have a uh, little surprise. Yeah. So this week we ran a giveaway to choose a winner for a, a sticker, our first ever giveaway on State Street. And the winner of our first ever giveaway is Mark Hilsheim, who happens to be one of our guests' fathers. So thank you very much, Mark. We, we see your support, and we can't wait to send you out a sticker. I will get in touch with you through our, our Twitter page. I will send you over the three options, and you can pick from each option, and I will make sure you get that sticker. It's awesome. We uh, we want to everyone to know that for all the loyal supporters we have, we hear you, we see you, and who knows, we may even get you on the on the podcast. Honestly, um, we hopefully have a, a couple of coming guests here uh, that fall under that category. But before we get started, Cole, why don't you go ahead and give a nice synopsis on our guest? Yeah, we got Leah Passini on today. Um, Hopefully, people listen to our interview with Emmett Kulik. Uh, Leah is his girlfriend, is Emmett's girlfriend, um, and she's got a cool, super cool story. She um, is from Wisconsin. The, the four of us went to college, or the five of us, including Emmett, went to college together. Um, obviously, those two were dating, and Leah was an athlete, so we got to know her very well through Emmett and just going to school with her. Um, and she has since moved down to Houston, Texas. She is. She's teaching um, a young, the younger generation. She's te- teaching first graders. And she's also coaching high school soccer, um, and she's got a she's got a cool message. She talks a little bit about um, racism. She talks a little bit about low income, um, what what it's like to come from low income housing as a as a first grader, and how she as a teacher deals with that, and and how she is trying to do everything she can and and in her power to enrich the lives of. Um, these first graders and these these athletes and um, really I mean she I mean she talks about a lot of cool things she talks about becoming independent and moving away from home she, like I said she talks a little bit about racism she talks about um, a little bit about coronavirus and Houston being a, a hotbed right now and um, I I mean I don't know about you guys but I thought the the message and and the lessons kind of that, that she talked about and the things that she's learned um, could roll over into our lives and a lot of people who's li- who listen to this. Yeah, I think Leah gives us a great 
platform to start diving in to some of the the issues surrounding us in in 2020 and she does she has wonderful resources so if you get a chance go uh, go ahead and check that out no doubt and at the very least of course it was great catching up with her she is as we found change for the best and I think picked up some really, really good habits and inspiration for her career. Um, But uniquely before we get rolling here, folks, to all my soccer fans out there kicking the ball around on State Street, go ahead and tune us into the background and we hope you enjoy the episode. Hey, Leah, how are you? I'm good. How are you guys? We are very, very good. We're very excited to have you on tonight. Um, Guys, say hi to Leah. Leah, what's up? It's uh, you know, it's been a while. I think the last time we we got to hang out was back in Upper Iowa. I think one of the last days of school. Yeah, probably like the last baseball party. To be honest, that's yeah, yeah, well, yeah, graduation. Yeah, honestly, the last thing I remember uh, between our interactions is you had some sort of cake, and I was just absolutely loving the cake for some reason. It'll be uh, it'll be good to catch up with you, Leah. I uh, I think it was really fun getting to know you, obviously, and having great times in college. But I I'm more excited than these guys know of getting to know people now. I think it's so cool to reconnect and rekindle. And uh, obviously, we talked to the the old boy here a couple weeks ago, but it'll be great to to yeah. hear directly from the source. Yeah, I mean, to be honest, like I feel like I'm a whole different person from college. Like. Watch don't out, we all. you guys don't know. Like, a person a year ago, who was she? That girl was ridiculous. Well, hey, that's exactly why we started this thing. You know, we want to show mm-hmm. that even a year out of college, like, people people grow, people change, people mature. Obviously, I mean, it's coming out of college and, like, being in college. I mean, we've talked about it at length. College is not reality. It's right. it's not real life. And I've, and as we talked off air, like you're finding that out. Uh, the three of us are finding that out with adult problems. Uh, <laughs> but hey, we got some really good stuff that, that you, you know, you're going to talk about with us. We're going to hear a little bit about what's going on. Obviously, we like Nick said, we heard a little bit about um, Emmett's side of things. Now we're excited mm-hmm. to get you on and hear your side. Um, hear a little bit about what Houston has been like for you. Teaching has been like teaching in Houston. Um, and kind of just everything that that is pertained to that and and everything outside of even professional life. So um, for for everybody listening, why don't you just give a background kind of on yourself a little bit and we'll roll right into this. Right. So obviously we all met at Upper Iowa. I'm originally from Wisconsin and went to Iowa to play soccer there. And then through that decided I wanted to be a teacher and with that experience for our school, I got the opportunity to come down to Houston and student teach my senior year. So I was down here. Um, and then basically, as soon as I was down here, I was like, hey, I'm coming back. So obviously, that was trickier, especially with the relationship. I mean, Emmett and I were together or have been together for since freshman year. So figuring out how all of that was going to work, moving away from my family, I literally knew two people here that I met on Bumble BFF. Like it was just <laughs> literally how I just decided to pick up my life and move it um, just to kind of have a different experience and basically grows a person. I mean, I'm a firm believer that if you, in the nicest way possible, if you are still, you know, out living with your parents five years from now after college, then I don't really think you have the best opportunity to grow. So I was basically just like, nope, I got to get out. Um, 
and start doing my own thing. So here I am. Yeah, for those who haven't listened to Emmett Kulik's episode yet, Leah and Emmett are uh, are a couple basically, and so yeah. yeah. So when she, when she <laughs> talks about Emmett, uh, that he was our former guest. What was it? Was it like three weeks ago, maybe three three four weeks ago? Just yeah, about. we had we had him on, and he. I mean, Emmett's a great guest, but I think you'll find uh, you'll find Leah has some very informative and is a very uh, has a very good topic <laughs> to speak on. Obviously, we got to know you at Upper Iowa. I'm curious about the the first time you came down to Houston for the student teaching. Was that something you had to actively seek out, or was that something that was kind of offered up to you and you thought, hey, this might be a great way to get some experience while still being in college and kind of get an idea of what it's going to be like to really become independent and move away? Yes. Yeah, so actually, so my freshman year, we had a foundations class, like most people do, going into your program. And someone from HR at the Aldine School District where I teach was like, hey, we're in Houston. If you ever want to come down, like they offered the idea to everybody. And as soon as I walked out of class, I called my mom. This was a freshman Leah. I was like, hey, can I do this? And to be honest, the only reason she said yes was because her corporate office was is in Houston. So where I live, well, where I lived last year, with her corporate office was right down the street. like two blocks from each other. So she felt comfortable since she has to come down here enough that we were going to see each other, that there's people she knows here, that it was going to be cool. But before that, I always told my mom, like, I'm not, when I get out of college, I'm coming back and I'm living here. Like I'm coming and living at home with you guys. I am not (laughs) moving anywhere else. Like, I don't know what you're talking about. And my mom was always like, no, you're going to get out and do something. And I guess she was right. So um, I ended up in Houston just for the first two or three months. Um, it was like our third quarter because I wanted to be able to come back for my senior year. And I mean, see you guys like mainly, you know, see the baseball team, watch you guys play, be a part of the senior festivities at the end of the year. So I only stayed for like two and a half months and then came back and pretty much knew as soon as I was done that I was going to come back. It just depended on you know, getting a job and housing and relationships and all that jazz. So here I am. Right. And obviously, Mm -hmm. you know, like you mentioned, that's you put yourself in a situation to grow. You put yourself in an uncomfortable position um, to allow that growth to happen. And we're going to talk about that even in some other things we'll cover. But um, yeah, I think it's I think it's super awesome. So just really quick, your first impressions of Houston, you haven't been down there crazy long. Obviously, you've gotten a little longer look than most people but first impressions how is it for you um well to be honest i coming down here it was work 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 as a first year teacher a lot of people will understand that is you don't really have a life outside of teaching because there's so much to learn and so much to do so i pretty much know teaching and coaching and then I finally was catching up and COVID hit. So I wasn't really able to go out and see people, meet people. But first impression, obviously way different than Fayette, way different (laughs) than Madison. Like (laughs) I am, you know, the minority, especially where I teach, you know, um, there are not a lot of white people down here. And it's really like a breath of fresh air because you get to experience so many other things and different cultures. And just like where I grew up was Middleton. It was a very wealthy white neighborhood. So it's just 
breath of fresh air, like I said. So way different than what I'm used to. Um, probably won't stay in Houston my whole life. I really want to go to Austin, but um, just literally way different, but in a good way. I totally understand how like that, that I I totally understand that breath of fresh air feeling or the, like, there's a sense of newness too, that you get like going to a new place. Obviously it's a little scary because you're trying to meet people. Obviously you're, you're using all your resources to like just get connected and branch out and try to try to make it as awesome as experience as possible. Um, Nick, go ahead. I think you got something for her. Well, uh, I had a question, Leah, did you, when you were going down there, did you go with Emmett or like, how did that play out? Because I think a Cole went out there, uh, as a single guy and there was a, a sense of adventure. And I think you guys probably got that as well too, but did, was Emmett with you during that process? Or like, if you just did it by yourself, I mean, like that takes some pretty serious kahunas. Yeah. So I, you know, we tried to plan it out as much as we could, but if you did listen to Evan's podcast, you know, he has obviously been trying to figure out what he's going to do with his life as well. So he was for the first year, we were not together. Like, I mean, we were together, but he was living a thousand miles away. And um, so I was literally just down here by myself with my roommate who I met on Bumble BFF which she's super cool. Really glad I had that experience, but probably won't do it again. (laughs) Um, But so yeah, we, it was, and it was tough too. like, oh my gosh, being so close, especially in Fayette, literally living what a hundred feet from each other every (laughs) single year, except for senior year when I had to walk a hundred yards to y'all's house. Like (laughs) it was just, and it like eye opening, but you know, as a couple obviously made us stronger, you know, I think the whole long distance, I never want to do it again, but it was worth it, you know? I think I heard a little bit of a y'all slip in there. Am I wrong in that? I I do. I do say y'all. Um, <laughs> I would say it kind of before, but it's just so more, I'm trying not to say guys, like, hey guys, just because like, I don't know. I like y'all better. <laughs> so I'm just trying to mix it in. Sound more Southern. Without a doubt. Well, hey, you talk about eye-opening experiences. Um, you mentioned coronavirus really quick, and I don't know if you've followed like the news and and all that stuff, but like supposedly Houston is like this hotbed right now. Yeah. In your personal experience, like what like what is life like with all that going on, and and technically or according to the media, being in like this hotbed area. Yeah. So I. I mean, I follow the news, but I don't follow it enough because it's changing so frequently. But I, I mean, I don't go out. Today was apparently the first day that we hit over 10,000 cases in a day. So I remember back when it started, our numbers were super low and we're like, oh yeah, we're doing a really good job at everything. Um, But I mean, our governor just put in the order that you have to wear the masks. So we do that, but I really just sit in my apartment and don't do anything else. I used to go to the gym and I had to wear a mask going into the gym, but not working out. Um, so I mean, I know a lot of people are getting it, but I personally don't know anyone in Houston who's had it, but that's also because I only know like seven people. (laughs) (laughs) Like, I mean, I know more people, but like, I'm not like uh, more people who I know in Wisconsin like Madison have gotten it because, uh, issues with, you know, going to the bars and stuff. But, um, I think it's a hot spot. I can't say for sure because I don't know anybody. I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Like, it's just, 
That's, I mean, that's, that. yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it, that's how it was for me moving out to Sacramento and obviously not the most opportune time to move to Texas, not the most opportune time to move to California when mm-hmm. the whole country shuts down and jobs are on the line and there's a virus that nobody's ever seen before and we don't have any sort of preventative measure. So definitely kind of a weird first year coming out of college, yeah. nothing like any any of us would have expected, I don't think. Mm-hmm. Yeah, let me just say I am thankful that I have a job who is that's continuing to pay me because I could not imagine. Like, I literally probably would have had to like pick up my whole life and move back in with my parents. So, people who've had to deal with that, bless your soul. But you, you know, that's not me. So, thank <laughs> you, Jesus. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, I think we we sort of lucked out graduating not this year, but last year, I feel I've seen mm-hmm. a lot of people like today. I, I saw a, a poor woman who had uh, graduated this year and she was probably one of the smartest women that came out of Delano, uh, my hometown. And she's, she's now working at quick trip because she just can't get a job anywhere else. Cause nowhere's hiring anymore. So mm-hmm. I, I, I'm very thankful. We all got out when we did, but it still sucks being, we're like the youngest in the workforce at this point. So yeah, no matter what, we're, we're first to go. If, if something really <laughs> yeah and going back like because you guys were asking me about Emmett coming down here um he was trying to come down here a long time ago but couldn't get a job because no one was hiring and we had that whole issue so it was really hard you know he because he was originally going to come down you know in December I was just going to be here for like six months figuring it all out then he would be back and then it literally got pushed all the way to another six more months but like each month he was like i'm applying to jobs i'm trying to come down but it was just so hard to get jobs like literally nothing was there but thankfully he's got a job now he's here we're good to go well good that's awesome it, i mean it everything worked out even in the midst of like a pandemic everything is working out just fine yeah the world so keeps turning well mm-hmm. hey so another um kind of eye-opening experience obviously you're teaching right down in houston um, George Floyd was murdered up in Minnesota. Jeremy felt the effects of that, just like hitting close to home. Um, as we've come to find, you know, you've like your, your teaching job, you get to deal with a lot of inner city youth and you've seen, um, kind of some personal effects of this. So, um, uh, before we really dive deep into it, go ahead and, and I know you kind of want to preface a few things, but just kind of give us a, a general sense of, um, kind of some things you've seen, kind of some things you've experienced and, and even like t- talk on the, j- the t- or touch on the job uh, a little bit for us. Yeah. So, I mean, my experience, I only have my experience for a year cause I've uh, only been down here a year and this is just what I've seen, what I know, what I know now. I mean, in a couple months or a year or two years, 10 years, it's probably all going to change. Um, so just a little bit of a background of where I do teach because we have been mentioning Houston. So I teach in a school district. Um, it is Aldean ISD. So Aldean Independent School District, which is smaller, but it is still in Houston. So Houston School District is obviously the bigger one. They have, you know, 200 some thousand kids. Mine is roughly 70,000. But where I'm located is very, very, very high poverty. So um, going into the numbers, my district, um, and I'll touch on what each thing means. So there is a percentage of low income, which is roughly 89% of our students who attend Aldine. 
So I think we have 67 or 68,000. So 89% of those students are low income. And then of those, if you have a certain amount of students, you have something that is called Title I. So Title I is a kind of, it's money, it's money, it's basically money, but it was provided by, I think it's called uh, Every Student Succeeds. So if you have a certain amount of low income students, you get money from the government to provide your students with access to higher curriculum, you know, something that someone who goes to a more wealthy public school might receive because schools are funded by property taxes. And obviously, if you're living in a more low income neighborhood, your property tax is lower. So all those funds that we get um, just through that is lower. So then we also get additional support from this Title I. And that Title I percentage is at 99.8%, which all schools aren't Title I. So you have to be a certain amount of low income to get Title I funding. And mine is the highest probably that you could think of. I don't know. There might be 100%. I'm not really sure. But just to compare, because Houston is much bigger, their Title I percentage is still lower than ours. So, you know, if, if Houston is very big and matches a bigger community, even though I have a smaller community, just in that certain community, we have just our percentages are lower or higher with lower income students and families. Yeah. Yeah. Well, well, Leah was, I'm just curious. And if you know the answer, great, if not a big deal, was the school set up for the low income or was it a result of low income? I, I don't know the exact answer, but I know our district has been there for a while and the way the housing, I don't know what was there first, the way the housing was, you know, set up, but a lot of people kind of flock to it, that area, just because um, it's cheaper than other areas. But we also have, because we're close to the border, I mean, going into the demographics, my district is about 70% Hispanic and, you know, 20 to 25%, we call it African-American. That's just the, the broad spectrum of it. And, you know, anyone who is black, African-American, whichever um, ethnicity or race, whichever the word is, sorry, um, who is that would fit into that category. So, you know, when you come in from maybe a different country, you don't have a lot of money. So that's why you're here. And the way we actually run our schools is we have a bilingual program and then a regular program. So there are usually two regular classrooms and two bilingual. So I teach first grade and there are still more bilingual kids than regular kids. So, or sometimes it evens out depending on the year. So I'm just teaching students who know English or who have just graduated a program and are being monitored or they might need additional support. They're English learners. Um, and then there's also the bilingual program, which is obviously people who don't speak English or speak very minimal. So that just kind of shows that like the people who we get in, well, obviously, you know, some of them are legal. There's so much trauma as well that's going on that people don't realize that teachers also have to deal with, you know, we have kids who just 
came over, you know, they have no family members here, you know, maybe they made it, but their parents didn't make it or they're trying to call and live with someone else. So it's just way different than what I was used to, obviously, in Iowa, where I did my teaching certification or where my sister was doing her, her teaches in Wisconsin. So it's just everything is a huge, wide, wide opening experience. And I'm really glad I'm experiencing it. But there's also like, I want to do so much more. But it's tough when you're just a 23 year old, you know? Right. Yeah. Well, those aspirations are definitely not something to, to hide. And I hope you're able to pursue them through the course of your career. And I'm sure you will. Um, I, I asked that question because I know that those programs are set up in a way for them. But I also know that there are systematic uh, I didn't say that right, but there are problems. Yeah, there are problems that occur there. And um, Cole, did you have something that you wanted to? Yeah, well, so I'm just curious, you know, Leah, you, you talked about uh, how coming, like working in that that low income area, obviously with property tax being how the school gets a majority of its funding. Does that, and you, and, you know, you just said how you want to do more. There's so much more you want to do for the kids. There's so much more you want to do for I'm sure the community as a whole, how does it affect you and like the job that you're able to do being in the area you're in? That's a very good question. So, well, just background for people who don't know, Texas doesn't have any state property taxes. So everything is local. So that also plays a role in the local taxes are sometimes bigger, um, depending on where you are and the zones and the school district you go in, but also, it also doesn't benefit in some ways. Some ways it is beneficial. In some ways it isn't totally just depending on your situation. And after I said that, I forgot what your question was. <laughs> no, you're good. You're good. So <laughs> I, I just, I, I just want to know with, like, with, with all that being said, obviously you're super passionate about this. You're, I mean, heck, you moved from Wisconsin slash Northeast Iowa to come teach these kids. Working in like a low income school district how does that affect the things that you can do, the education that you can give kids and the things that you can do for just like the community in general, even? Right. So personally, I think, you know, we are, I mean, my district is in need of teachers. So as maybe this isn't happening, they sometimes might take whoever they can get. And I knew coming down that if I could give these kids my all that, um, that it's obviously better. I personally think better than what I could do for these kids that what someone who might be more privileged could be doing in Wisconsin or Northeast Iowa. That was my original, original thought coming down here. And you'll have different kids wherever you are, but coming down here, I knew that I could make an impact on this certain group of students, this certain community right off the bat, even being, you know, 22 years old and just by building those relationships with the kids, caring about them, and just literally pouring my heart into them every single day, um, you'll like you'll see such a great impact on them. Like even today, I'm teaching summer school right now, and it's all virtual. But I got to see some of my kids for literally the first time since March 6th. Like it was like it makes me want to cry because I was actually able to see them and talk to them and interact with them. And, you know, help them with school again. So it was like. I mean, I know that probably would happen anywhere, but with these kids, like you're going to develop relationships with any kids, but I knew that I could just make an impact right away. And so far, I feel like I've done a pretty good job at that. You know, my kids, we say we love each other all the time. I'm a full supporter and that you can tell your students that you love them 
because they, you know, they might not be hearing it from someone else. That's a whole nother topic. But I mean, best decision I've ever made for sure was moving down here. Well, and obviously teachers are a huge part in any child's life. I mean, school is, is where they grow socially. It's where they gain a lot of knowledge. They learn a lot about life. And obviously teachers are huge role models, you know, Mm -hmm. obviously, even, especially if, if a parent isn't there necessarily there or they don't have the, the best home life school is almost a relief. And so I think that's super cool. Um, you talked, you mentioned it at the beginning sort of, and I want to, I want to circle back to it just really quick. First though, I want to ask just because you, you mentioned the virtual thing, obviously with the pandemic and being a teacher, how has that been going? And obviously I'm sure you're not a fan, but how are you making the best of things? Yeah. So unfortunately, because I was, I did mention before that my district is lower income. A lot of my students did not have technology to actually get online when this pandemic hit. We, we were not prepared for it. And our superintendent, she even went online. She did a whole video with everybody. You know, we were not prepared and we're doing as much as we can to fix that. But I mean, we left for spring break thinking we were coming back in a week. So very selfishly, I was like, oh, thank God I need this break. Not realizing, you know, that it was going to be the last time that I would see them for months. But um, fortunately, we were able to distribute Chromebooks to uh, high schoolers first because they were still their schooling didn't stop. You know, they still had AP classes. They're still trying to get into college. So we were able to do that. And then middle schoolers also got them second. And then finally, the elementary students got them. So I personally, I didn't have many kids who are able to get online, continue their education, or if they maybe were able to get online, they might not have had a parent to support them at home because people, parents might still be working. And also as a first grader, it's very hard to just go to online school, like trying to figure out where you have to submit things, where to go for the meeting, like how to just do it on your own is just very challenging. So it's just everything's a learning experience. And even though I'm happy to be able to see my kids, obviously, I will do whatever it takes. Health wise, whatever, you know, obviously, we have to follow those guidelines, but I can't wait to just be back in the classroom with them and see them. And I know it's going to be different next year. I mean, we don't even know what we're doing. I have to go back to school in a month. And we have no idea what we're doing yet. So we'll see. We'll see what happens. I mean, different experience, not what I expected for my first year, but everybody's experiencing it too. So I can't, I can't complain. So since you said uh, your, your kids had to wait kind of to get their technology so everyone could get up to speed, do then they have to go, are they full-time summer school then? Cause you said you're summer schooling. Yes. Yeah, so summer school and also with the, um, the Chromebooks that I want to mention, we did get to give out Wi-Fi hotspots. Um, we ran out of those this year or this session for the elementary students, but we have access in the parking lots at each school. So we have, you know, like 40 sub elementary schools and middle school. And then, you know, up there, I think we have like five or six high schools. So it's a bigger district. You can go to any one of those schools and get the Wi-Fi. So while it's a little bit out of the way, at least there's something that we could do for those kids who don't have Wi-Fi at home. But, um, it, like obviously affected them a lot not having the technology or the support and some of our students still don't even have it unfortunately but the summer school is for anyone who has a device can get online and then I'm specifically teaching students 
who did not pass first grade or second grade. So those students get small group for me every single day, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. So I get to meet with them on Google Meets and teach them through that. Um, but those are only the students who failed who get that additional support. Everyone else, we created a Fortnite game. It's like Fortnite theme. Hey, so you can, you, you can, and our kids love it. Like you can land on the different camps or whatever they're called. You can land on the different things and then do your activity and submit it. And then if you do a, a good job, you get V-Bucks and the person with the most V-Bucks at the end, or they're doing a raffle, get prizes or Chromebooks and all this jazz. So we really hyped it up. It's for everybody, but um, I mean, obviously not everybody is doing it. It's just a free thing because usually we would be doing it in school and it would be free for the students who failed. Since we had COVID, it's now for anybody who wants to do it. And the small groups are specific for students who failed. Well, with Fortnite and the Fortnite theme, that kind of seems like something Jeremy might want to get into, even if it's for everybody. <laughs> hey, yeah, you I haven't played Fortnite. It from our website. <laughs> I might have to. I may have to reignite the Fortnite flame. I haven't played it in a couple months, but uh, you know. I mean, as long as you can, you know, do it goes up to fifth grade, you know, math, reading, writing. Oh, yeah. As long as you can do that, you're good to go. These I kids mean, don't know what's coming. You can, you can get V bucks. You can get prizes. <laughs> <laughs> I'm about to dominate some fifth grade math. <laughs> well, hey, Leah. Um, so I, I'm not to switch topics on you. But we're going to do a complete 180. We're going to circle back because I do want to touch on something that you'd mentioned kind of at the beginning of this episode. Um, So you talked about how putting yourself, obviously, in situations to grow has been huge for you. You've talked about how, like, you know, you've grown, you've changed, you're a completely different person. Uh, Nick, Jeremy, and I, we like to think the same thing. Obviously, we've done a lot of growing and maturing. Um, Talk a little bit about how being put in that area where you may not or where you could maybe be considered a minority talk about how that has allowed you to grow talk about how that has been an uh, an eye-opening kind of experience for you and, and talk about some of the things you've learned right so yes 100 i am the minority um there are i this year personally i didn't have any white students we hardly have any white students in our whole district that's just the way it is um so it's it's different because growing up i was always like in the privilege category i still am in the privilege category but walking in i could always see someone who looked like me now walking into a room or my classroom i don't see someone who looks like me which is such a breath of fresh air and something that i personally needed you know you know just growing up from my experience and the parents who I had who always pretty much gave me everything I wanted. Like, it's just so much better to step back and realize that, you know, some things just are not important and that you can move on from it and just keep going. And it really just doesn't matter. So having those kids as well, who, I mean, the the parents, no matter what, they try to support their kids and will do anything they can for them, just like most parents would. But it's just so different where it was like, oh my gosh, I had this and this and this growing up even 20 years ago. And these kids might not even get that, but their parents will do anything for them no matter what kind of thing. And like, it was with coaching because I coach high school soccer as well. So that was just also only white person as well. Um, But 
there's such a community there that it's like, I don't even notice anymore. At first, when I moved, I was like, oh my gosh, you know, I don't see someone who looks like me. And now it's like, it doesn't even matter. Like, you know, we're all one community, we're all one family kind of thing. So yeah, you're- it just definitely gave me so much what I needed. And you're, you're striving for the same goal, obviously, like being a teacher, you want to, you want to educate these kids as a coach, you want to get your athletes to perform at the highest level. And, you know, the, the four of us on this call, we're, we're Caucasian, you know, males and females. So, you know, have we experienced anything, you know, as far as systematic racism or, or issues that are, that are based on race or at times even gender? Um, I mean, to the full extent. Not necessarily. So by no means are we experts on any of this stuff, but yeah. you know, you have been, you have put yourself in a super unique situation to grow yourself, to better understand yourself. And frankly, that's, that's why we wanted to have you on because on, on state street, that's what we're all about. Um, we, right. you know, we, we want to learn, we want to understand more. We want to be a resource for people that it can be a, a breath of fresh air, just like you talk about, but also be a place that you can learn and you can grow as a person and, and understand that there are two sides to every coin and there, everybody has a different perspective, uh, which you, like I said, you've done a really good job of putting yourself in that situation. So I do commend you for that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's definitely not for everybody to, depending on your situation, it's definitely not for everybody to get up and move, you know, a thousand miles away, but 15 minutes away, like that could do a lot for somebody, you know, just to, not have to rely on your parents and just honestly I'm a huge person and like continuing your education continuing to grow and self-develop so if it's not for you to move super far away like we did I mean hey 10-15 minutes at least a drive instead of a walk (laughs) (laughs) instead of walk down the stairs yeah so I got to ask you this, Leah, just because I think it uh, will be a very, very good question to express a little bit about your inner passion as well, because I, I love when people are passionate about a certain, a certain topic. But like you said, it's not for most people. And just to make the claim, a lot of people would probably run away from the situation that you're in right now. Let's call a spade a spade. However, I'm curious at a deeper level, why or what makes you run towards that? Uh, I think. I mean, maybe growing up with the experience that I had, I always wanted to continue to keep going. I mean, there was a certain point in my life where, um, like, for example, I hated school. I absolutely hated it. I didn't want to learn. I was like a terrible reader. And that's what a lot of schools focus on. I just didn't want to really succeed in anything. And then I finally found something I was passionate about. You know, shout out to my AP psych teacher in high school, because that's the whole reason on how I got passionate about teaching and wanting to be a better person, wanting to grow, wanting to help people out. And now it's like, I couldn't imagine not trying to better myself every day. Like, if I would, if sometimes I'm just like sitting or laying down, and I'm like, I could be doing something so much better. Like, I don't know what happened in my brain or how it happened. But somehow I was like, I just need to keep doing stuff. Like I can't just sit where I am. And like that with teaching, you'll see, like, I don't know if you guys have heard, but like older teachers, you might hear that they're like stuck in their own ways. So what they're trying to do, 
to like teach their kids isn't working for them. It's not working anymore. It's a new generation. And that's like doing a disservice. So I would never, ever, ever want to be a disservice to my students. Like I would, I'll do anything it takes to continue to learn and, you know, learn teaching strategies. But I think with that just becomes, you know, self-developing as well. Because if I'm just the same person I am next year, like, does anybody want that? You know, it personally, that's just the way I view it now. I don't know. Yeah, no, I think that's very healthy because what you're understanding is that you, as you grow as an individual, you're becoming more of an influence to more people. So as you go through the growth process, you're like, hey, this is first off addicting. And I think that's what me and Cole and Jeremy found. Like when we started really hitting hitting the tarmac, we're like, wow, like the ball's completely in my court now that I'm past college and onto my own thing. Like, obviously there's still some parameters, but it's all in your control now. And the more you do all this stuff, the more influence you are for more people. And that's an attractive feeling. Yeah. I love that you used addicting. That's a good word because it is addicting. Like I, I couldn't imagine not continuing and just stopping. And then also like what would someone who I was preaching to about, like, for example, Emmett was very, like, stuck in his own ways, didn't want to, <laughs> didn't want to do anything. And it, like, I don't know if he wants me to say that, but it's very true. Like that was, we would converse Emmett, a lot about that. <laughs> He's outside. But, you know, getting him to try and continue to educate himself was tough. Like he really just started that. And I also think it's something that I had to learn because he was still living at home. I had to learn that, okay, even though I might be steps ahead of him, I can't judge him for this because his situation is different than mine. And that's been very hard to learn because I was over here basically, you know, getting better every day, quote unquote, where he was just strutting through life doing the same thing and I think if you have friends who are still doing that or you know in my experience or my situation a significant other who is still doing that it was very tough to accept that and you know slowly try to get him on the path of hey this is good for you to grow and develop and invest in yourself invest in your education Um, so I finally got him on that. I finally got him reading a book that he likes. (laughs) So hopefully it continues. Yeah. I I think you bring up a great point about, you know, wanting to be stuck in our own ways where it's, I think it's a comfort thing out of all things. It's, it's something that you just, you feel extremely comfortable doing and you don't want to, you don't want to change up that comfort because once you leave that comfort zone, it's unknown. But I think Mm -hmm. as we, as we've learned and as we've, as we've grown, the unknown breeds innovation. And mm-hmm. I think, yeah, hearing Emmett stepped out of his comfort zone is, is big news for Emmett. I mean, we yeah. lived with Emmett for one year and I think mean, Nick knew Emmett for basically his whole college career. So Emmett, yeah, Emmett hearing him step out of comfort zone is, is definitely great. Like hearing when I heard he was going to move down to Houston with you, I was like, really? Emmett's Emmett's gonna step out of his comfort zone and move down to Houston, but it's I mean it's awesome to hear he's embraced yeah. it and he's it sounds like he's doing great now. Yeah, I mean it was exactly what he needed. And he even says so himself. I could go get him and he'll say, Yeah, I needed this because <laughs> he was, you know, in this situation, but going with the whole uncomfortable, like one of my favorite sayings is get comfortable with being uncomfortable. Like if you're comfortable your whole life, I don't think you're growing. 
So that's a big thing is I've had to learn how to, you know, be uncomfortable, put myself in those situations, but then still, you know, okay, maybe this might be like a little bit of like anxiety, you know, I'm in a situation or a social situation or something that you're not as comfortable with or anything along those lines, but knowing that in the long run, it will be better for you. I think that's one thing too, that, um, to be quite frank, our nation is finding out is we need to be comfortable having uncomfortable conversations, especially right now. Um, and, and, you know, you guys said it with being, you know, some teachers and, and Frank, I mean, a lot of just older professionals can get stuck in their ways. We often hear the cliche of old dogs can't learn new tricks or whatever. And to, to, to some extent, like that may be true. It's may not be true. Um, but I really quickly, uh, I want to talk, I want to just touch on systematic racism because of the unique position you're in. And obviously mm-hmm. I want you to answer, you know, as comfortably and obviously base it off of your personal experience because it's your life. It's your experiences. It's the way you feel. Um, but I think you're in a really unique situation because you get to deal with first graders. You get to deal with young people. You get to deal with high schoolers who are involved in obviously soccer and probably involved in a number of other sports and activities. Um, and obviously being in a, in a lower income area, have you, what have you seen or what kind of, what kind of things have you, have you experienced that, um, you have, you've come to question or you've come to learn kind of in this past year? Yeah. So, well, I mean, the whole systemic or systematic is also another conversation that I'm also still trying to always remember the difference, honestly. So I'm not, if you don't know me, I'm a white person, you know, I'm not someone who could speak to racism or anything like that, just because I'm white, I've never experienced it. But what I see in my school or in my community, um, honestly, I didn't notice it and I didn't even teach about it or how to be anti-racist or anything like that until about halfway through the school year um, when on the loudspeaker, they were announcing teacher of the year and someone won. I can't even remember who it was, but one of my boys, um, he's black and he said, oh, Miss Pacini, you should have won that award. And I was like, oh, he thinks, you know, he doesn't know I'm a first year teacher, but I was like, okay, he thinks I'm a good teacher. Like I should have won teacher of the year. Um, but I was like, Oh really? You know why? And he proceeded to say, well, because you're white. So he thought that because I was white, I should automatically win something or maybe be better in something. And it literally took me half a year to even bring that up. But that just goes to show that, you know, there is the systematic racism that is even enforced or, or not maybe enforces in the right way, but something that kids already learn even at such a young age, you know, automatically thinking that I should have won just because I was white was like the biggest eye opener to me. And that's how I noticed that it was really going on. I don't know if before I just wasn't paying attention close enough or if I was so busy in just my own classroom and figuring that out that I just wasn't aware to things. And I obviously am more now. But um, so after that, you know, I learned, okay, I need to teach this, you know, right after I was like, okay, even though you just said this, like, doesn't that mean everybody can win? Like, do you have to be white to win something? And, you know, a lot of the kids said no, but just to think that that was automatically his first reaction, like it didn't even take him a second to even process that or think that, 
maybe I shouldn't be saying this kind of thing was just very eye-opening. And then I learned, you know, with that, you can't teach just to be, you know, you can't just teach racism. You have to go on and beyond that and be anti-racist. Teach them what was happening in history, how everything's affecting certain things, and go to show like just inclusion isn't good enough. So I don't, you know, I don't know if that answers your questions. I know that there are some people like with the systemic racism where this is almost natural. You know, it's natural to think um, maybe a student who is black might have more in school suspensions or something like that. And automatically, maybe if they're off one day, you might send them to the office or something like that. I know that does happen, um, but I don't want to test, you know, how often that happens or who's doing that or anything like that. I am just aware that it does happen to certain students. Um, and that's just something that's so natural to people. Like you just assume that, hey, just because this person might be this color or this race, that they're automatically this. So really diving deep and, you know, going against that. Like it really is anti, anti everything in order to get everything to just hopefully even out and be better one day. Well, and I think that's, I mean, obviously at the core of the Black Lives Matter movement and at the core of everything that's gone on, you know, involving race or any sort of um, non-inclusion or whatever you want to use as your term, you know, it's literally a matter of people just wanting to be seen in the same light as others, right? And we all we all want to feel the same. We all want to feel the same security. We all want to feel the same um, care cared for we all want to feel the same happiness you know and so i think that's why it's interesting to me and and i'm interested to hear a little bit more about this experience you had with this this little this little buddy in your in your class and i'm curious have you seen or experienced any of the same things dealing with high school athletes or has it made did that experience make you more aware as a coach even yeah so my athletes actually just in my experience, because I coach soccer, the majority of them were Hispanic. That's kind of more their thing down here. Um, but yes, I mean, there were, I coached, my team was the JV team. So it was a little less, you know, competitive, not as many issues. And then I was the assistant varsity. So that obviously got more competitive, which then would sometimes lead to more issues. And, you know, um, this doesn't even have to go on with race, but just something, um, you know, we did have fights. There were fights. I mean, it's going to happen. Um, but it was just, I never grew up in a soccer game where there was a fight, you know? Like, I never, no one on my team would ever punch somebody or punch them back or anything like that. So that was also just something that I needed to um, be aware of and learn how to deal with. And one thing that was, like, also super unfortunate about that, um, off topic, but, you know, if someone is to swing at you, you can't do anything back or else you're also suspended. So you're just supposed to sit there and take it. So, you know, as a girl, you know, one of our girls got her hair pulled. Like, are you just gonna like let someone keep pulling your hair? It's just so hard to like break the barrier of, you know, what's okay, what's not okay, where is it coming from sort of thing. And not that that has to do anything with race, but that was just another issue that, that we dealt with a lot in the whole soccer months. <laughs> Right, right. Well, and, and obviously, like, 
you know, especially in school. I remember, you know, as a as a young teenager in high school, I remember seeing fights where it's like, what is the what's what the person supposed to do? Sit there and get beat up. That's you know, that's not what self defense is, and and no human is wired to do that. We're obviously no. gonna fight back. You're gonna defend yourself as you should. Um, so Leah, what kind of things have you done then to continue educating yourself on being anti-racist, being, being super inclusive as a teacher for younger minds and, and like the younger generation. And then also as a coach and dealing with, you know, you said it wasn't as, as competitive, but you know, when, when the situation does get competitive, how can you, how have you educated yourself more to to be the absolute best you can be and to be the most open-minded coach and, and role model that you can. Yeah. Well, so to begin with, when everything happened, who I was following on social media changed. I changed my following. I mean, I obviously still follow majority of the same people, but I added more people who could teach me more things about stuff. I don't know about it. So, you know, I added more people of color. I added, um, you know, more teachers of color. I added, you know, athletes or anyone who I thought would benefit me, who was teaching me something new. So I did that. And I also am doing a white privilege class. It's someone who's from UW-Madison and she's going into this. So she's giving up, I think it's like eight to 10 weeks of free class, free education, as long as you donate some money to a good cause kind of thing. Um, so I've been doing that. And I also put together like a Black Lives Matter Google Doc. So that's in the link in my Instagram bio. If you just click it, it's like BLM Google Docs or something along the, that matter. Hey, so yeah, what's your what's your Instagram handle handle then? LGP.16. Awesome. We'll put that so, in the description as well. Okay. So basically on that is websites you can find or that people who you should follow, podcasts you should be listening to, Netflix series, Hulu series, movies, um, just everything that might help someone else. And there's also books on that, but I have to preface it that a lot of the books are for teachers. A lot of them are children's books, but there's a separate category that's children's books and then regular books. Um, just because I personally felt like I could reach out and help more teachers with that. Um, because we are so big on putting in different people of color than yourself. And I also saw this, um, I can't remember who I saw it from, but it was, you know, every time we go to the library to pick out books, half or less of the books have to have a character who looks like you. And the other half has to have a character who doesn't look like you or characters who don't look like you. And as a first grade teacher, implementing that at a young age is something that I'm definitely going to do, you know, just to get it out there. And, you know, there are other people who look different but are still really good at things or good at, or better at other things and things like that. So I think the, um, the Google doc is something that I've personally, you know, gathered the resources, um, what I'm doing, but then I'm also, you know, doing the classes, changing my following and one person, I mean, I, I love a lot of people, but I love, um, Emmanuel Acho, the uncomfortable conversations with a black man that he does on Tuesdays. Like I look forward to those things every single Tuesday. I'm like, okay, it's, he, he probably put it up already because today's Tuesday. I'm like, okay, what's he going to talk about tonight? And then how could I take this and implement into my life kind of thing? I haven't really had the opportunity to do so much in my 
community just because of COVID. Like I'm not seeing people um, and I don't know a lot of people here, but for my following, if you ever want to click on the link in my bio, that's where I put stuff. Awesome. And obviously we're going to have, we're going to have you replug the the social at the end here too. So obviously if people want to follow or check out that Google doc, I think that's going to be an awesome resource. And, and I do want to hear a little bit of, a little bit more about that um, to switch gears a little bit though. Let's talk about some things kind of going on outside of professional and, and outside of the entering into adult life and dealing with adult problems. Um, what kind of things are you doing outside of work, outside of just like the, the typical day in the life of a teacher to, to de-stress or, or um, decompress yourself? Are you reading? Are you working out a lot? What kind of things are you doing? Well, I'm doing both. Um, I actually just finished, it's the Live Hard program, which I guess has gotten very popular on TikTok. I'm not 100% sure because I don't watch TikToks, Um, but it was a program created by the CEO of First Form, which is a supplement company. Um, I love them. I love First Form. Um, And so he created this program and I just completed the first 75 days. So with that, is you know two workouts a minimum 45 minutes one has to be inside one has to be outside 10 pages of reading no cheat meals no alcohol follow a diet you know a gallon of water a day so i was doing that's basically like i mean i was working out before that going to orange theory like normal stuff you know um coming out of college and not having the sport to go to every single day i had to you know figure something else out and um, you know, coming off a of rehab too, it was like, okay, I can finally run again. I can finally lift again. Like I need to start doing something. So I was just doing normal stuff. And then I found this live hard, Andy Priscilla first form fell in love. And now that's kind of like my second, I don't want to say it's a job because I don't get paid for it. Um, but it's, uh, the second half of what I do. So, you know, I'm teaching and I'm developing myself with teaching, but then the other part is um, nutrition, coaching, healthy lifestyle. So that's something that I've really gotten into a lot just because getting out of college. I mean, you guys know, we would go to the cafe and eat literally anything we wanted. Like I literally had no <laughs> idea. Like, yeah. And Nugget Wednesday, like I was oh, not yeah. doing anything healthy for my body. And I didn't even know, like, hey, you should be eating your goal weight and protein the day. For, like, I didn't even know that till like, a couple months ago. So I might just try to tell me he told me that. I told him that. Um, so it was just, like, I've gotten this huge, huge plethora of information through um, this company. And that's literally, like, the other part of my life. It's teaching and that. And I just go through and. Um, obviously with that, the 10 pages of reading, that's how I became really into the self-development because you have to read self-development books. So that was just like, that's probably something I'll never stop. I will probably continue to read every single day. Um, and that's how I got Emmett reading. So well, we're, we're, uh, we're super glad you got on that Benger because we think it's probably the best Benger you can plug into in terms of, uh, you know, self-development and whatnot, but it's cool. So wait, I just want to make sure I understand this. So you did the 75 hard or this is different than the 75 hard. This is 75 hard. So the program is the live hard program. And the first one is 75 hard. So that's the 75 days of those, um, 
like Criteria. things you have to do. Yes. And then you can start phase one whenever you want. You can start it right after you finish 75 hard and that's another 30 days, but it implements more criteria, more things to tick off. And then like that would include a five minute cold shower and visualization, Ooh. like 10 minutes of visualization. And then there's phase two. I can't remember what's added to phase two. I think it's like the power list. I mean, if you look up Andy Frisella, he actually came out with a book, but it sold out in an hour um, a couple days ago. And he, Obviously they he's just doing put, something yeah. right. <laughs> he's like, yeah, he, I mean, he, um, if you look at his Instagram, it's all explained there. He's got his whole website, but then there's also the phase three, which is the same criteria. And then on top of meeting one new person a day. So that's not just saying like, hey, how are you? It's like actually having a conversation with them. But the big thing is, you know, say you're on phase three, day 15. If you fail that day, you have to go all the way back to the original 75 hard. So that's, and it takes a a full year to complete. So because you have to wait, I think 30 days between phase two and phase three. So I have not done phase one. I'm going to be honest. I don't know if I will do phase one. Um, just yeah, 75 hard was good enough for me to like develop those habits maybe yeah. one day. Um, but that's kind of the other, you know, the other half of me was <laughs> I started in, I started in quarantine, which was like, honestly, with the best thing I could have done because there were people who, you know, not to, uh, make anyone butt hurt, you know, gain 15, 20, 25 pounds. And oh, yeah. meanwhile, I was, yeah, see, like, meanwhile, I was like, I'm the total opposite of that. So I, I was just very grateful that I found that whole program. Yeah. Well, yeah. after, oh, I'm sorry. Sorry, Jerry, my bad. I'll let you I, come yeah. in. Oh yeah. I'm one of those guys. Yeah. I mean, I quarantine hit me hard where I was like, yeah, I have zero motivation to work out now. And mm-hmm. my, my diet went to fried chicken and beer. So yeah. yeah. I mean, I wouldn't have worked out either if I was not doing this thing and I made Emmett do it and he failed on day like seven. So <laughs> I was like, was okay, it the beer that if, got him? Yes, alcohol, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, you know what? If he is failing, like th- that was my motivation. Like he failed, I have to not fail. You know, I have to get through the seventy-five days. I have to do it. So, or otherwise, I probably would have ended up, you know, gaining a lot of weight and doing absolutely nothing. So it was just something that I needed. Yeah, it sounds like you definitely found something that that worked for you and you enjoyed it. Where I think a lot of us that previously worked out leading up to quarantine, like Emmett, uh, Emmett seems like a very fit dude. I, I would try to work out four times a week where I couldn't go to the gym anymore and I had to resort to bodyweight workouts and those weren't my thing. Mm-hmm. So it was something I struggled with where I was like, I don't know what to do anymore because I hate bodyweight workouts. Yeah, I, I hated them. I literally, <laughs> I'll do like 15, 20 minutes of it and I want to be done with it. And then I'll go mm-hmm. eat my PB&J or my fried chicken. And then it's like, it got into a loop where I'm like, you know, this sucks and I need to find something to change. And, and fortunately, our gyms have opened up because Minnesota is doing pretty well. So I've been mm-hmm. able to start making that change again because, you know, I got to be able to fit in my tux that uh, for a wedding upcoming. But yeah, yeah. so it's, it's nice to nice to know that there's definitely ways that you can implement change without or after you learn new things basically yeah and i'm not gonna lie like i was like you i i hated the body weight workouts like how many times could i do the same thing i did burpees probably every single day i never want to do a burpee again for the rest of my life like (laughs) oh my god and 
going into like, I think it was, you know, around day 45 or 48 for me where our gyms opened back up. And I was like, oh my God, thank you, Jesus. Like I finally get to do something else, but uh, I'm not even going to lie. It was, it sucked. It sucked. I can't even say that it didn't suck. It sucked, <laughs> but I had to finish because Emmett failed <laughs> and, and, and because I wanted to finish it, you know, but that was a big driving, <laughs> driving force. Sense of completion is a huge mental thing. And that's a very, very good feeling when you complete something like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's like, cause so many people are like, Oh, I failed this many times. I've never even finished it. Cause there are Facebook groups that I joined to kind of see what was going on and what, what, what it was all about. And like, I was just like, Oh my God, how did you fail? But then getting into the end of it, I was like, this is really hard to like, I could fail any day now. Like I want the Reese's egg. I want to have a drink. I want to have a cheat meal. Like it was very, and you know, Andy will go on to say that this, it's not a fitness program. Well, there are fitness benefits. You know, a lot of people do lose weight. I mean, I personally didn't lose weight. I gained weight um, just because I was actually working out and building muscle, but it's so much more mental, which is exactly, you know, what we have been talking about with the whole development and, you know, mental toughness. It was just, it's crazy what you can do. I'll tell you that. It certainly is. Uh, I'm just curious, Leah. So on here, you know, I mean, Jeremy literally built himself a gym during quarantine out of concrete. Yeah. Nick and I have gotten on the same program and, and we're both really seeing results and really feeling a lot better as opposed to when like we were playing and when we were working out every day, plus practice, plus games. And Emmett obviously knows how baseball players feel, especially once you get into the heat of the season, being our teammate. But how are you feeling now as opposed to like a year, maybe even a a year and a half ago um, when you were playing as opposed to how you feeling now? Honestly, I feel so much better and it is crazy. Um, I mean, because my senior year, I didn't get to participate in my senior year because of my ACL. So I'm thinking back to junior year when I thought that, and I thought that I was the most fit in my life. Like I wasn't because I am where I am now. And just going back and thinking, oh my gosh, I could have been so much better if I just invested, like not even better at soccer, but like just better in general. If I just invested a little bit more and like learned about what I should be doing like I can't believe it and I mean you guys probably are gonna think the same thing like I literally could not believe or cannot believe what I could have been doing if I just knew some stuff it's very easy now especially like a year out because it's still a little bit fresh in the mind to it's very easy to look back and and say man I could have done this different or man, like there's so many different things I didn't even know I could do or I had at my disposal. Um, and we, we do have to give, you know, as former athletes, all four of us on this call and Emmett and anyone that listens to this that was an athlete at one time, and they're like, like you're your worst critic. Like you think lower of yourself and you think higher of yourself in a really weird way yeah. more than anyone. And yeah. um, so it is very easy to look back and say, what if, or I could have done this, I could have done more, I could have done that one more rep, I could have, not had those five extra chicken nuggets, like whatever. Um, but right. so, yeah, I got a couple closing questions for you. Obviously, if the guys have anything else, um, you know, I want to hit on those. I got four kind of last minute quick hit questions that we do with every guest we bring on. So um, Nick's got a question for you. I got a couple. I'm sure Jeremy, I have one or two, and then we'll hit. We'll get those those last four and get you out of here. Okay. All righty. 
Sorry, not to to cut into these questions. I think Cole's questions are always so fun to ask because he uh, has a great creative mind. Um, I just wanted to to make a, a small statement saying like when you get out of school, the game completely changes because mm-hmm. not only are we physically and mentally more mature, we understand we're working out for a different reason. Like you're doing it for sculpting your mind and your body so you can be an elite performer as a teacher, whereas prior to it was a soccer player. So that's just been a really fun transition for me is seeing like my 25-year-old body is way better off than my 18 or even 20-year-old body. Yeah, and you've been getting in with Vinny. So I see his posts, right? (laughs) And I'm like, he's got his gym. It's so crazy. I mean, college was just four years. Like it's literally nothing compared to what we have like going into the future so I just kind of have to remind like okay it doesn't really matter like maybe I did this in college but it literally doesn't matter right exactly how nice is it to like actually have time to get a good workout in instead of you know going to practice and then having to grind out a workout and then having to wake up the next day at maybe like some super random time just to work out again yeah I mean baseball schedule you you guys were obviously crazier than Uh, mine but like uh, like just giving your body the time to recover is something I've also learned, you know, being older, like uh, bodies don't, I can't do whatever I want with it, especially, you know, after, you know, the three surgeries I had. So it's just like, I don't know. There's so much, so much better to just schedule my day, how I want to schedule it. I want to do this, this, <laughs> oh, yeah. this. I don't have someone telling me when I need to do it, when I have to do that. So. That's, that's awesome. I'm I'm glad you're gaining momentum too. And I just want you to know, being a little bit older than you guys, you guys haven't even hit the tip of the iceberg yet. It only gets freaking way more badass when you're crushing like a book or two a month and you're just physically in shape and you're just, obviously you have a lot of passion for your job. So you're way ahead of a lot of people, but we could talk on this for so long, Leah, but I got to <laughs> kick it back over to Cole to get these questions <laughs> to you. Well, Hey Leah. So, um, you know, we've I've mentioned on here and, and we've talked about it at length with other guests and on other episodes, but we like to be a resource. We want to be a tool for for people to use and, and we want to be beneficial to people's lives. So, you know, with everything we've covered, um, especially with, you know, race issues, obviously getting fit, getting your body to feel right, um, becoming independent, maybe putting yourself in situations to, to grow yourself or becoming comfortable while being uncomfortable um what are what are some things that that people can do what are some things obviously with coronavirus like people can do to support small business african-american owned businesses what are some things that you've learned and and that you've really taken advantage of yeah well just going on with that last part supporting locally is something that i have become a huge fan of i was someone who bought from amazon every other day like was not supporting where the money, you know, where money should be going to help other businesses who are running our community and things like that. So I think that's a big thing is go out to like, you know, the mom and pop shop instead of going to the Starbucks or, you know, whatever chain restaurant you guys have, you know, go support somewhere else who was, you know, hit hard during this Corona pandemic time and um, just build your what's the word? Not like your umbrella of, yeah, or your portfolio, 
build everything that you can instead of becoming so stick to certain things. And that's going out and following people, reading books you might not read, listening to other people and, you know, hearing, okay, you were like accepting that you might be wrong on some things and then going on and doing the education farther beyond that. I, I want to bring up a point Leah said, because I think uh, more people need to hear it. It's about the like economics of the situation where if you go out and you purchase something from Amazon, where where's your money going to? It's going to some Joe Schmo salary out in maybe Washington, Minnesota, New York. If you want to support your community, keep your money in the community. The, mm-hmm. the best way to build up communities is through money and economics. So build up those small businesses wherever you may be. Keep that money in your community so you can keep more jobs, basically. And I think yeah. that's, that's a, probably a good way to su- start supporting um, more hard-hit areas. Yeah. And when it comes down to it, you know, if, say you want to do something in the future, like um, maybe you want to open your own restaurant or something like that. Like if you put your time and your money and your relationship into someone, I'm a firm believer that you're going to get that in return. So that's just another little tip. If you want to move on with your life one day. <laughs> well, and that's networking at its finest. That's you help yeah. me. I'm going to help you. That's just simply it's getting to know people and, mm-hmm. and expanding your network, which obviously is can only lead to, to good things. Um, <laughs> so Leah, I got four, I got four more questions for you. If the guys don't have anything else for you, and then we're going to let you plug some social media and we're going to get you out of here. Okay. All righty. Cool. Um, so first question, if you had to choose one, would you choose a, the middle of Texas summer? So, I mean, it's, it's July 7th right now. So we're right in the thick of summer. Would you choose a Texas summer or a Wisconsin winter for the rest of your life? For the rest of my life? Oh man. I don't think I could give up Wisconsin forever. But for the time being, I'm not, I could give up the snow. Like <laughs> the whole polar vortex, I'm not about that. And like, I am much more a person who would maybe like to go to the beach and go hiking than ski, just because that's not how I was raised. So that's a very tough question. But I'm also thinking about how my family still lives in Wisconsin. Like if they were to move down here, I'd be like, all right, we're good to go. But <laughs> it's not terribly hot. Like a lot of people think it's hot. And like, don't get me wrong, it is hot, but I'm okay with sweating. Whereas some people are like, I never want to sweat. I'm like, I don't mind it. So fair enough. Right now, right now, Texas. Right now, I'm leaning to Texas. I am definitely one of those people that loves to sweat. I know these guys are too. Um, Secondly, what has been the funniest moment that you have had as a teacher up to this point? Oh my gosh, the funniest moment. I'm sure dealing with first graders, you have a lot. Yeah, I feel like I laugh all the time with them. I mean, the first thing, there are a couple things that come to my mind. One, we were at, because uh, we do like livestock shows. That's a big thing in Houston with the Houston Rodeo. Um, I was just standing there and a cow started licking my head. And like the kids just thought it was so funny. And their reaction was so funny, which doesn't even, it's not even a funny thing. But like they were laughing. So then I was laughing. And I was like, this is so dumb. But like, why are we laughing about this? <laughs> <laughs> like, And then I had one kid who, um, I mean, he was a troublemaker and he never laughed. 
So when we got him to like say something funny or do something funny, like one time he was just sitting at his desk and I was helping him right next to him. And someone walked by and he thought it was a dog. It's like, it doesn't make any sense. But the way he reacted, he was just like, oh my God, like what? And just when you see kids who don't actually like get out and do something in the classroom, like they're not as social when they do something, it's like, I don't know. I just think it's funny. And it's funny when kids fart all the time too, unless it's like really, <laughs> really smelly, but like that's something that's funny. I don't know. I feel like I can't pick out one thing because I l- feel like I laugh with them all the time. Like we do little like, cause TikTok was getting famous. They were teaching me all these things at the end. And um, I don't even know. I can't pick one thing. Well, that's I, good. I that's it, it shows that, I mean, obviously you're passionate. Obviously it is a lot of fun and like you're creating memories and you're, yeah, you're creating memories for these kids that they're going to remember for like ever. I'm sorry. I just thought of something that I know Emmett would appreciate because one of my kids, they were talking about girlfriends and they're six years old. Um, <laughs> but someone, they were talking about, oh, my girlfriend is this. And I asked this guy, I was like, oh, who's your girlfriend? And he was like, in this class? And we just thought it was like the funniest thing ever. I'm like, you are six years old. Like, what do you mean you have a girlfriend in this class and one in the other class and one in the other class? <laughs> and I got it on recording because we were just like, it was during a party. So we were taking pictures and everything. And I mean, I thought that was funny too, because you're six years old. Like, he's like trying to be a player. And it's just like, <laughs> oh, they're so funny. Everything they do is funny. Well, that, that young man, uh, yeah, he's, he's, he's definitely- He's he's ahead of the game for sure. He's a lot farther along than I am, and and a lot farther along than some some guys are. Um, okay, so I this next one is designed to make you think, and so just be ready for this. Okay. So I'm gonna I'm gonna lay out a scenario for you. You come to work in the morning, and you log onto your your laptop or computer, whatever or tablet, whatever you have, and you see that you have two thousand emails. Okay. I don't know if that's realistic or not, but that's the scenario. Um, you only have time to answer 300 of those emails. How are you going to prioritize which emails you answer? Um, definitely. I mean, I'm probably going to look at something that my principal might have sent because she's the higher up. If she sends me something, it's usually important. Um, and then I'm going to go with parents, whoever sent me something because a lot of a lot of teachers uh, don't give out their numbers for for good reasons. Um, but I I had parents call me at ten o'clock, and I would be there for them no matter what. So definitely, parents would be my second one because I always want to make sure they're happy because you're giving your child to us for eight hours a day. If you're concerned about something, you're a top priority of mine. So principal, parents. And I feel like the other 1,700 are going to be something that's, I don't know. I feel like <laughs> it can my wait. principal and the parents, yeah. Maybe if I have, like, something from, like, my head coach, if it was coaching season, he would get put in there, too. But, yeah, principal, parents. And maybe and, and coach in the right scenario. And that, coach, are, if, if it's in good, season. <laughs> those are three good ones. Um, you ta- you, so you touched on it a little bit, my last question. Um, but I mean, as far as like the Google Doc, you know, if, if someone goes with a Google Doc on your profile and they, they click the link, 
what is something that you have found? Obviously, you talked about Emmanuel Acho, who I also love. I love listening to Emmanuel Acho. I think he is one of the most articulate people I've ever heard speak. Um, what's a resource? What's a book, a video, a podcast, a social media page that you totally 100% like we can give the the Leah Pacini stamp of approval that people need to go check out, whether it's in the Google Doc or not? Okay, well, I mean, obviously, there are the petitions in there, which some people, you know, you're going to sign depending on, um, you know, what you what you believe in or what you think of. But my my go to girl, I mean, I love Emmanuel Acho. He's great. And I love certain um, teacher accounts like Cordo Kids always has really, really, really good books. But there is a girl, her name is I am Tabitha Brown. She is hilarious. Like I just found her and she does like IGTVs. Um, so it's rarely just a picture, but like you get to see into her life and she's just like the funniest person I have. I don't even know her obviously, but like she's someone who I look forward to, even if I don't have a lot of time, cause I set limits on my social media. She's someone who I will dedicate my my minutes to to watch her videos because it's she's uplifting and she also shares like she's vegan so she shares a lot of those recipes which i'm not vegan but like gives me ideas of other things and she shares her family and she's just like i don't know if you listen to her video it might only be a girl thing if you listen like listen to some of her stories she like has a certain saying that she'll say every time like at the end she'll always be like I hope you have a good day, but even if you're not having a good day, don't let it ruin nobody else's day and things like that. <laughs> I'm like, oh, thank you for putting that in there. Like every day, it's just certain things that you that she does to make me smile. I like her. I am Tabitha Brown. I'm pretty sure is what it is. I don't want to be wrong. I am Tabitha. I just don't know if it says Brown after. Yeah, I am Tabitha Brown. Cool. Well, that sounds like it's a really good remi- little reminder too. That's, a, gr- that's yeah. a great reminder. If you're having a bad day, don't let it affect someone else's day. Um, why don't you go ahead and plug social media, and then we will kind of do a round table of, of thank yous and, and kick, uh, be done with this thing. Yeah, so the thing I use the most is Instagram. So it's at LGP.16. I don't use Twitter, really, um, so you're not going to see any good information really coming from me in this, unless I'm liking something, and most people don't go through other people's likes. <laughs> um, <laughs> and then I also, um, with that, I do have a Facebook group, but that's a fitness Facebook group. I literally actually just started it yesterday. Um, so it's something that I'm doing with First Forum, that company who I was talking about. Um, they do challenges. Every, you know, this one is the summer one that starts next week. So I'm uh, a coach for that, actually. So I started my Facebook page to help coach people. Um, and that's team, parenthesis, one, parenthesis, six. So it's like team one, six, you know, like I've got your back, like I've got your six, but my soccer number was 16. So I had to plug the one in there somehow. <laughs> um, but that's something I'm just starting. But yeah, Instagram, that's my go-to where you can find me. And where you can find the Google Doc, the, and that's um that's a um a shared document where I'm not the only one putting information on it. So if you have, a, I wanted to utilize it as a resource where if you see it and you have something that you are like, anyone who sees this needs to know this fact, this 
website, this podcast, this person to follow, you can do that. So that's just BLM Google Doc in my bio. And say say your your username on Instagram one more time just to so I make sure we get it out there enough. At LGP.16. 16, the soccer number 16. Um yes. Leah, I want to say thank you so much because you have been like a wealth of knowledge. Obviously, you like we grad we just graduated college at the same time, but I mean, you have done an awesome job of growing and changing and learning, and you have had like such a cool experience just in the last year of getting to move to a super cool place, do a job that you love to do, um, take care of your body and, and become better mentally, physically, emotionally, every sense of the word. Um, so thank you so much for coming on. This has been a lot of fun to talk to you, a lot of fun to catch up. Um, I miss you and Emmett a lot. I miss seeing you guys. I miss hanging out like we did back in the, the good old days, I guess, if you want to say that, if we're that old. Um, yeah. But seriously, thank you so much for coming on. This has been a pleasure. Yeah, thank you guys for having me. And I mean, want to plug you guys too. I mean, what you guys are doing is a good, like, good for everybody too. You know, it's so crazy, like, just in college, how we were this, and now we're literally so much better. So shout out to you guys <laughs> as well for continuing to develop and educate and influence others. So Jeremy, I just want to say that as well. Jeremy, what do you got for Leah? I mean, it's it's a bit awesome to have you on. I think you bring a a great perspective because. Us three as hosts, we can't really bring that that extra knowledge that you have. You've you've gone, you've put yourself in a different situation than us, and you can now use that to educate others. And where we, I still live in a white suburban community. Cole still lives in Urbandale, Iowa. Nick is in a small town, Iowa. We can't speak on that. So it's been great to actually have someone that can come on the podcast and talk about what is actually happening in today's world. Yeah, well, I'm glad I could share some light of information. I'm not going to say I was 100% right on any any of it, just my experience, and that's all I know. Well, yes, Leah, thank you so much. And like I said, it's been fun. Like People don't realize this, but when we bring guests on, it's so fun getting to know them now and, and all the <laughs> development that they've gone through. And uh, you were a really nice additive in terms of exposure to a an area that we probably do not have a lot of of exposure to um but before i wrap things up here so thank you so much leah jeremy go ahead and and spit out our social media yeah um first off if you want to go follow leah and anything we'll make sure to put her information in our description so if you missed the five or six times we plugged it, make sure just to go check our description. But if you enjoy the podcast, please follow us on Instagram at a State Street Pod. Twitter is at State Street Pod and Facebook is State Street Podcast. If you enjoyed the episode, please give us five stars and subscribe. And congratulations to our first sticker winner. Oh, how crazy. <laughs> I Absolutely. saw you guys did the stickers. <laughs> well, we wanted uh, we are super pumped about those and we wanted to uh, to be able to give them out in the right hands. And there's been some good lo like loyal support that we've had. But for all those folks out there that are kicking the soccer ball around State Street, we uh, we hope you had a good time having us on in the background. And until next time, guys. Mm -hmm.